If you'll open your Bible to page 853, I want to talk to you today about, about something that we all do. We probably would say we all need to do better. We all need to do more. That's this whole matter of prayer. You know, prayer, we all know we should pray. We do. And probably it's the one discipline in most of our lives that we, that we struggle with most. Like, I, I still believe it's easier to get people to consistently tithe. Now, Methodists, relax. I'm not going to ask you to do that. Okay. Uh, but we Baptists really come on with that. That's just God's way to do the church. And many Methodists are faithful, faithful tithers. I understand that. But it, it's re- I'm serious. It's easier to get people to, to tithe than to get people to be faithful, consistent in their praying. But there are reasons for that. There really are. It's not that people don't want to pray. It's that what we find is of all, like, <laughs> you know, it's easy to get people to come to church and it is to be daily faithful in their praying. And, and there's a reason behind that. And that's what I want to deal with today. Now, on page 853, uh, we're, in the, we're in Matthew. We're in, of course, that page is over in Matthew chapter 6. But in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, we have in the Bible what we call Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. I'll be in Israel about the middle of October, and I have a group there, and one of our days will be right where this took place. Now, we, don't, we won't necessarily be standing where Jesus sat, but I mean, there's just one Mount of Olives there. And, and so we'll be in that area. But in fact, if you turn back in chapter five, where this sermon begins, the Bible says in chapter five, uh, uh, seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, that's how the teachers taught in that day. His disciples came to him. Now, this does, that doesn't mean just the 12. The followers of Jesus. He had many followers. He had 12 disciples, but he had many followers that's what a, a follower of Jesus is, a disciple. Well, these disciples came to him, and then Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and then in Matthew chapter 5, and we also encounter this in Luke chapter 11, we tell a little abbreviated, abbreviated part of the Beatitudes, but in Matthew chapter 5, we have what we know as the Beatitudes. And, it, you know, you're familiar with them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are those who mourn, da, da, da. Goes right on through, uh, down to be, through, through really verse 11 or 12. You know, the word beatitude simply means blessings. Uh, it's the idea a person is blessed if they do this. In fact, I, I read something I thought, the other, I thought was very good the other day. It said we could call the beatitudes. Now, listen to this. Tony Evans said this. I'm going to quote today Tony Evans and J.I. Packer. Now you say, well, who's J.I. Packer? Well, I'll be there in, in exactly 15 minutes, I hope. <laughs> but I told John yesterday, I said, well, I'm going to be quoting Tony Evans and J.I. Packer. He said, Dad, you'll be the only preacher on the face of the earth in one sermon quoting Tony Evans and J.I. Packer. Well, be that as it may, here's what old Tony Evans said about the Beatitudes. He said we could call them antibiotics, now listen to this, from God's pharmacy that will transform our lives. And that's, 
I thought I read that recently. I thought, boy, Tony Evans hit that nail on the head. The, the antibiotics, you know what we you know what an antibiotic is, and you know what it does for you physically. Well, that's what these beatitudes do for us, and they help transform us into what we would be. Now, when you read the whole Sermon on the Mount, chapters five, six, and seven, what's interesting, the things Jesus dealt with in this sermon are relevant today, 2023. Like I made a little list of just some of them. He dealt with anger, adultery, divorce, revenge, loving your enemies, giving to the needy. I'm just talking about that. Money and possessions, judging other people. Oh, my gracious. The golden rule. Look over in chapter 7. Just turn over quickly in chapter 7 and look down in verse 12. Here it is. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, Jesus said, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. And in Luke, we read that very same golden rule. It's, it's condensed a little bit. We learned it. I did growing up as a little boy. Do unto others as you'd have them to what? Do unto you. Wouldn't it be a great thing if we really all did that? Like if we just all did to other people what we would hope other people would do to us. Um, well, we live in kind of a, a opposite of that, I fear, in our day. Now, in this Sermon on the Mount, besides these things I've mentioned in others, Jesus dealt with prayer. He did it twice. He did it in Matthew chapter 6 is where it's recorded. And then it's recorded in chapter 7. He deals more about prayer. Now, quickly, we don't have time to do all that. I want you to look with me on page 853. You'll be in Matthew chapter 6. Look down in verses 5 and 6. This is as far as we'll have time to go today. But these are two really great verses with tremendous teachings, tremendous insights about prayer. Look at it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he said, Jesus said, when, not if, Jesus assumed these followers of his would pray just like we would assume all of us in this room do pray, some more, some less, whatever. But we all pray. Jesus says, now when you pray, he says, you should not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets, for they may be seen by men. Jesus said, as surely I say to you, they have their reward. Now, this is not condemning public praying. Many of us pray in public. I, I love to hear people voice prayers in public. They, you know, I try to pray in my spirit. I don't judge their prayers. My mother always said to me, never judge another person's prayers. Leave that to God. But many times people will be praying and you think, well, my spirit feels the very same thing. That, that's not what Jesus is doing at all. He said, but don't, don't let that be the reason you pray that other people hear you pray. That's, he said, these are hypocrites. The word hypocrite means like these are play actors. He said, no, but instead in verse eight, he said, but when you pray, go into your room. Now that's interesting. And when you have shut the door, now go into your room. Now the new living translation which you have the New King James, as I do read him. But the New Living says that in a great way. It says, go away by yourself. In other words, you don't have to go into a room. That's not the idea at all. But somehow, some way, get, get alone. Just, just get by yourself. Not always easy to do. 
Uh, and then he said, shut the door. You say, well, what, what's that talking about? He, have you ever noticed when, you, when you're trying to pray, like, <laughs> and you, like it happened to me this morning, early. Um, I was upstairs in my study at home, and I, I, was, I was really trying to pray about things for the day and kind of what, what, you know, trying to this, that, and yonder, and, and just trying to commune with God. And have you ever noticed when you're trying to do that, I call them wandering thoughts. You ever have any wandering thoughts? Like you say, what are you talking about? Okay, I'm, I'm praying, and then all of a sudden in my mind, I think about something I need to do. Something I need to remember. Somebody I need to call. I'm trying to pray. And this stuff just, it just, now I hope you understand. I call these things pop-ups. Pop-up. I'm, I'm trying to pray. I'm alone upstairs by myself. And yet as recent as this morning, as I started praying, I, I thought about, you know, man, I got this. Now, I'll just share how I handle pop-ups. It, you may have a better way. But I just learned long ago, every time I'm trying to get along with God and pray, I, I, it seems like I can remember more things I need to do that distract me from what I'm doing. So here's what I do. I just have a little card, just like, in fact, this is my card. And I keep it in the front of my Bible. And when, when I have a pop-up, I just stop praying because if I don't do this, I can't get my mind back on God. And I just jot a little note down. So I say, I won't forget to do that. Okay. And then I just lay it down and because I know another pop-up will come soon. But now in a little bit, the pop-up stop. Now that may not work for you. Maybe you don't have a pop-up problem. If you don't, I'd say this, you're just not doing much praying because the devil will help you have a pop-up problem. And, and that's, that's what I think he's talking about. Shut the door to these wandering thoughts that come into your mind. These pop-ups, they're distractions from the devil. And for me, that's kind of been a deal. Now, if you look, it says in verse 6, after you've shut the door to these wandering thoughts, you're off by yourself with God alone, pray to the Father who is in secret. See, we can't see God. Now, about, talking about pray, I needed to, what is prayer? Prayer is just talking to God. You talk to somebody. That's a two-way street. You know, if you talk at somebody, right now I'm talking, but you and I, we're not in a conversation here. I'm in a monologue right now. But if it's just one-on-one, I, I say things and you say things. And I say things and you say things. It's the same way. That's what prayer, you don't need to go similar to what prayer. Prayer is just talking to God, simply said. Okay, but it's not easy to do, but there are reasons it's not easy to do. And that is what God has really put upon my heart to deal with this day. Even though, see, we can't see God. I think that's one of the things that makes prayer hard. Like I'd much rather talk to a person I can see than just talk to a person on telephone. I really had. Well, especially if I have something I think serious enough to talk about. I'd much rather talk to a person than trade texts back and forth, uh, you know, or, or emails back and forth. I mean, that's just kind of the world we live in now. Well, we have the blessed thing, even though we can't see God, here's what we know. God sees us. The Bible's clear about that. The Bible says the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord. 
Another verse in Proverbs says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. So even though I can't see God, you can't see God, God sees you. God sees me. God knows what you're dealing with. God knows what I'm dealing with. And, and yet, the one thing that Satan, I really think, has had great victory among all of us as Christians is, is the lack of, of real time in prayer. Now, why, why is it so hard to pray? Well, let me mention a couple of things quickly. Number one, our schedules, now listen carefully, our schedules, if you'll be honest, and I'll be honest, unless we've done something about it, our daily schedules are filled to full, we'd all agree with that, with no time plugged in for God. Like, like you'll never find time to pray. Now, you may say a little moment's prayer or something, but if you want to spend a little time with God, you, you see, what prayer does, prayer makes God real, Prayer reminds us God's not some idea. Prayer is talking to a person, the creator of the universe. And we, that, that to me, what a privilege that is. But, but if, if we don't look at our day and don't have a time, so I just encourage you every morning before you get out of bed, don't let that necessarily be your, your prayer time, but let it be a prayer time. Say, so what am I going to pray that before I get out of bed? Well, thank God you didn't die during the night. Yeah. Thank God you can get out of bed. Yeah. And some days it's not as easy as it used to be. Could I have an amen to that? Tell you what. Uh, but, but, I mean, but you just need, and this is just my opinion, for whatever it's worth, I think if we don't make our time to pray with God first thing in the morning, the odds of it being very consistent will be very, very limited. And that's because we just live in a hurried world and there's just lots of stuff going on. And of course, if you've got little kids at home, you know, that's one issue. And then, then, you know, other issues come. But I, you know, I just think that's one of the things we like, instead of, of course, many people don't even have a schedule. You know, they just kind of whatever happens, happens. Well, I encourage you to build in your daily schedule a time with God. And then I think a second thing that makes prayer really hard are these pop-ups that when we're trying to honestly spend 10 minutes, 5 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever, with God, just sharing our heart with God and and just realizing we're in His presence. It's just the sweetest time of the day. These pop-ups... Uh, they they just uh, they they just come. You know we need to understand time spent in prayer is not wasted time. Some people I think have that idea. Well, I've got so much to do. I don't. <laughs> that'd be just like a waste of time. No, it's time invested, and it pays off big time. I, I still say some of the most valuable work. Prayer's work. Prayer is work. That's one reason. People, that's a, people don't want to work. Prayer is, it's, not, it's easier not to pray than it is to pray. And I think we have to just view it as that. But I really believe in, in, in all my years here, some of my most valuable contributions to this church have been those made in prayer. Like I'm praying about things in the church now that are, that are, that are major things that... Uh, 
you know, that I need God to give us guidance to, to, to get us to where we need to be with some things we're dealing with. You know, Oswald Chambers, John mentioned him the other day in either Sunday or Wednesday, I don't remember now, but in his little devotion book, My Most Fears Highest, which is a classic book, let me just read you what he had to say about prayer. He said, and I quote, unless you learn to open the door of your life completely and let God in from your first waking moment of each new day, you'll be working on the wrong level throughout the whole day. In fact, I read that on the 23rd of this month in my Oswald Chambers uh, little devotional book. And I thought, wow, how true that is. J.I. Packer, I mentioned him earlier. That name may not ring a bell to you. J.I. Packer, who recently has gone to be with the Lord, he would be without any question one of the greatest theologians that ever lived. Uh, Billy Graham says, uh, Dr. Packer has the rare ability to deal with profound and basic spiritual truths in a practical and highly readable way. Uh, Swindoll, I love what Swindoll said on the back of this book I'm holding about Packer. He said, for years I've been asked to list the top 20 Christian books I have read. And here's what Swindoll said. Knowing God has been on that list since the mid-1970s. Now this little book, if you want to just buy one book that, that next to the Bible will help you know more about God than any one book I know you could buy, it's this book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, a tremendous mind with an ability uh, to communicate to both those of us that don't have as good a mind as he. Now, I will caution you, the, 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 the first half of this book, you'll just say, this is the greatest thing I ever picked up. And then the second half will be a little deeper, okay? But be that as it may. But let me tell you what Dr. Packer said. He said, and I quote, and I believe, he said, I believe that prayer, now listen carefully, is the measure of a man's spirituality in a way that nothing else is. You know, that statement is so real to me. I write in my Bible, and on the front, about, just, just open up my Bible, right here it is. I, I, I have that statement written here. Almost every day when I'm opening my Bible, I see Packer's statement. I believe that prayer is the measure of a man's spirituality in a way that nothing else is. Each time I read it, which is most days, I kind of measure myself. I say, if Packer is right, how am I measuring up? Well, I'm going to suggest you might, you might think of that too. Listen again. I believe that prayer is the measure of a man's spirituality in a way that nothing else is. God... Boy, here's an area, God, we all need to measure up. And, and God, I know in my own life, it's the hardest thing I do. I've just got endless things that I either need to do or think I do. And like, I just live in a fast lane. And I, I, I guess having been gone for two weeks, kind of just completely in, in no man's land almost. And I came back to work and I thought, great day. I didn't realize myself the, 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 the hurriedness of all this. We all live like that. God, help us. Help us to realize the best thing we can ever do is spend some time with you every morning in prayer, realizing you're real. We can't see you, but you're real. You're not an idea. 
You're not a thought. You're real. And God help us consistently to measure ourselves according to our prayers to you. In Jesus' name, amen.